0: Thank you, Peter. Shall we pray? Lord, as we uh, come before you this morning, uh, we just ask that the teaching, the rich teaching that you have for us in this gospel will become a life experience for us when we leave this church. Amen. Well, one of the disciples says to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think every Christian from then until now uh, has probably made the same request. Prayer, communicating with God, it's the fundamental lifeblood of our personal spirituality. It's the fundamental lifeblood of the church and all the great movements of the Holy Spirit, church growth, all the great revivals of the past have all come about through God, acting in the context of the fervent prayers of his people. So if if prayer is that important and can be that impactful, why do most of us, I think I can say that safely, why do most of us find it so difficult? Well, uh, I, would, uh, I would hazard a guess and say, well, there's actually one group of people who actually don't find praying uh, that difficult at all. It just comes straight out. So uh, let's have a couple of examples from... Um, From our young ones, shall we? Some of the requests that are made. Here we go. Dear God, uh, maybe Cain and Abel wouldn't kill each other so much if they'd had their own rooms. (laughs) Works with my brother. That's from Harry or Larry. How about another one? Dear God, if you give me a genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want, except my money or my chess set. (laughs) Uh, How about this one? Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. And here's my personal favourite, because this one really makes you think. Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you've got now? <laughs> Great question. How do you answer that one? It's such a big subject, isn't it? Prayer. Uh, So many books have been written uh, and and so much teaching in Scripture. So this morning we can't hope to do justice uh, to the entirety, but uh, we'll stick carefully to this passage that we've just heard read to us uh, from Luke. And remember the context of the sermon series, which, as you see here, is First Love, coming back to Jesus. And as I wrestled with this sermon over the last uh, few weeks, and I prayed to God, I said, Lord, what what do you want me to tell your people uh, about prayer? And the words that came back to me were quite simple, tell them I love them, tell them I love them. And that seems as good a starting point as any. God loves us and to borrow from Charles Dickens, this must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come from this sermon. God loves us and only wants the very best for us. And as we start to look at this passage, which I'm going to do from back to front, um, we find at the end of this passage, Jesus making this very point to his audience, who were his disciples. Those of you who are fathers, Jesus says, would you give your son a snake if he asked for a fish? Or a scorpion if he asked for an egg? And the implied answer is, well, of course not. Of course not. We, we, we only want to give good gifts to our children. So Jesus says, well, if, look, if you... With all of your weaknesses and your capacity to constantly do the wrong thing, if you know how to treat your children well, just imagine how much more your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And sometimes you'll hear people say, rather disparaging, well, I thought God knows everything, doesn't he? I thought your God knows everything, so why does he make you ask? And this seems to me a rather bizarre line of argument. Wouldn't it be just a little bit odd for us as parents to say to your small child, well, I know exactly what you need, so don't bother me until you're 18. Very odd. Why do we pray then? We pray because God loves us, because he wants to hear from us, because he wants to be in relationship with us, and he wants to give us good gifts. And he wants to equip us to do the work of the kingdom. Hence the reference there to giving us the Holy Spirit, which is a subject we'll return to later. So this leads us nicely into the section of the passage that offers, I think, great reassurance, but often also the greatest angst. This is where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened it seems on face value pretty unambiguous doesn't it no strings attached there are other, there is other teaching in the gospels elsewhere jesus says something similar to this but there are qualifiers it seems that if you say that if you do these things in my name if you remain in me but here we don't have that not in luke's version now over the years in this church i many others have heard of incredible answers to prayer. People healed, lives changed, relationships restored, and yet I would venture there's not a single person in church this morning who hasn't experienced prayers that have remained unanswered, or apparently so. Apparently so. So why why is that? And I think we have to face facts. We have to be very uh, brutal and honest with ourselves in some regards that in recognizing, and this sounds Very obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. God is not a genie. And God is not Santa Claus. And praying is not your Christmas wish list. And we laughed earlier at the children's prayers, didn't we? And yet there's something of that style which, while refreshing in its honesty, also says something about some of the things we do when we pray as adults that we need to look at carefully. We ask for things that we want from our own selfish desires not out of need or for others we try and tell God what he should do give him a bit of friendly advice about how he could handle the situation maybe a little bit better we try and horse trade with him you do this for me Lord and I'll do that for you and we have to acknowledge that that kind of praying is not going to be terribly effective and while saying that I also know there are obviously well-meaning, selfless prayers that apparently go unheard or our requests are turned down. And despite our prayers, loved ones die, relationships remain broken, jobs are lost. And here there's no easy explanations. We can look to Scripture to give us some comfort and to give us some insights We can see, for example, that St. Paul prayed three times for what he called the thorn in his flesh. We don't exactly know what that was, but we presume it to be some kind of physical ailment to be removed, and it wasn't. But Paul learned to live with it, even boasting that this weakness further increased Christ's power within him. King David prayed for the life of his illegitimate child with Bathsheba, but the child died. In time, Bathsheba gave birth to Solomon, which gave rise to perhaps the the, the golden age, the great age in Israel's history. And even Jesus, even our Lord, in the Garden of Gethsemane before his arrest and crucifixion, prayed that the cup of suffering would be taken away from him, but then added, not my will be done, but yours. In each of these cases, God had the bigger picture, God saw it differently, had different timing, had an unexpected solution. When um, when Anne and I first got married uh, and wanted to start a family, we discovered during her first pregnancy that she suffered from hyperemesis, uh, a very extreme form of morning sickness uh, that's come to prominence, I think, with um, uh, Kate, Princess Kate, Prince. What's her name? Kate Middleton. <laughs> The Duchess of Cambridge, to give her an official title, thank you, royalty, was was never my specialist subject, I'm sorry. But a very extreme form of morning sickness. She couldn't hold down any food or drink at all. Nothing. Uh, The doctors tried everything they knew. Uh, She was hospitalized. She was drip-fed. All that happened was she just lost a lot of weight. And eventually, around four months, uh, we lost the baby. And I just remember being incredibly angry about that. Toward God and praying, of course, that things would be different next time. At the same time, thinking, How could this be any different? She has what she has. Or if this is what pregnancy does, and this is, you know, 20 years ago, there didn't seem to be any good solution. The next thing that happened was a very few months later, six months later, I was offered a job uh, that moved us to America. And when Anne became pregnant again, the problem started again, but we found that the medics over there were just more knowledgeable about the condition, uh, had better uh, drugs and equipment to deal with it, and the outcome was that we now have three American children that we brought back with us, (laughs) when at one point I was seriously despairing that we would ever have a family. And I tell you this story not because there was anything special about us or our prayers, only that God found a solution that I would never have thought to pray for. Dear Lord, help us by moving us to a whole other country where things will be different. It was off my radar. And I think it's worth considering whatever situations that we're in. There may be something very specific that you're praying for, or a solution that you're praying for. And maybe you need to think about that prayer or those prayers and think more about how to bring that situation to God rather than trying to uh, insist on a particular way forward or a solution. Unanswered prayer can be a real barrier, can't it, to our faith development. But I do think, and this is the crux of this, I do think that we need to think differently about the nature of prayer and how we should pray. A few weeks ago when Claire preached, she said, Jesus is not a resource. We need to focus on his face, not on his hands. You may remember that was about three weeks ago. And what she meant was that we should seek his presence, not demand that he do things for us. And then a week after that, Tom preached on Martha and Mary. You may remember, we learn the importance of resting in Jesus, of listening to him, because then everything else will fall into place. So you see, we don't just preach random sermons. There is a theme appearing here. And as we read into this text carefully, we begin to see how this works. Think about these words that we're using. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, of course, is a verbal expression of our petitions, our prayers. But seeking, seeking goes much deeper. That starts to involve our hearts and our minds. Because in seeking to know more of God... We find our own priorities and focus shifts and changes. We bear our souls before God. One writer says that it's, when we pray, it's like we open up a God space within us. We start to see ourselves more clearly and we become more aware of our real needs and deep desires. And through prayer, through this close communion with God, this is when the Holy Spirit starts to transform us. So the prayers that we pray to get what we want, are not changing our lives so much as the prayer that opens us up to God to allow his transformation to work within us. Ask, seek, knock. And this knocking, as we saw so beautifully illustrated earlier from Rufus, this knocking involves action. Action, movement as Christians transformed And by God, through the Holy Spirit, we are compelled to go out and to help transform the world around us. And in these three verbs, there's also this sense of persistence. These are in the present continuous. You keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. If something's on your heart, find the time to wrestle with it, struggle with it, empty yourself before God create that God space and allow him to fill it and to bring order and then in our passage we have this slightly strange tale of the man being woken in the middle of the night by his friend because his friends receive visitors and he has no food to give them and of course the man doesn't want to get up and help him because it's the middle of the night and he's going to wake his family but he will get up he will get up because his friend will not take no for an answer He's going to keep banging on that door until he gets what he wants. And in the context of prayer, Jesus' teaching is primarily here to be bold. One uh, version of the Bible uh, in this passage uses the phrase shameless audacity. The friend displays shameless audacity in seeking to get what he wants. It's almost like imagine that you are a junior manager in a very large company. And you decide you're going to take the, the lift to the top floor, to take up this issue with the chairman. This is the invitation that Jesus is holding out. Take it to the chairman. Take it to the big guy. Because you know what? He's going to welcome you in. He's going to give you a cup of coffee. And he's going to give you his undivided attention. That is the God that we are praying to. And at this point, you say, well, okay, this, 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 all, sounds, this all sounds great, but it's, it's maybe getting a little bit complicated. Wouldn't it be just easier... If Jesus came up with a sort of template for prayer that we can all use and that would sort of solve the problem. Uh, Well, of course he did. And uh, that brings us back to the beginning of the reading. Lord teaches how to pray. And he taught them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. You may remember last year. Cinema chains uh, around this country banned a short film of the Lord's Prayer uh, because they said it might cause offence to people of other faiths or no faith. Uh, It was a bonkers decision. Uh, But they were right about one thing. The Lord's Prayer has the power to cause offence. Because if everyone who prays it truly takes on board personally the magnitude of its message, then our world and our community and our own lives would be radically changed. You could say that the Lord's Prayer is essentially Jesus' mission statement. And he passed it on to his disciples then and now, so that we would also know what we're signing up to when we become his disciples. So we're going to take a closer look at these very familiar words as they're written in Luke and as read to us earlier. So it's the shortened version in Luke's Gospel. And then at the end, we're going to come back around to a time where I'll ask you to frame some personal prayers around these words. So let's start with Father. And and don't get worried, I'm not going to stop after every word. (laughs) But let's stop here. Because this one word has some pretty big implications. When we claim God as Father, this is giving us identity. We are family. This tells us the family to which we belong. A family with a set of values and a family with a set of values that do not conform to the values of this world. This puts us in the place as brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ. Partners in his mission which was to liberate or is to liberate humanity from the slavery of sin. Nothing less than redemption. So calling God Father has some pretty big implications. It means we need to be stepping out. We, with Jesus, and in his place in the sense of our physical uh, being, have to confront the pain and the brokenness of the world, bringing healing and peace and reconciliation as Jesus did. So when we say, Father, hallowed be your name, We say, Lord, we want you to be honored and worshipped by the whole of your creation. And here am I, your son, your daughter, ready to play my part. So just that opening sentence should give us pause for thought. And then your kingdom come. And your kingdom come isn't about some future end date. It's not just primarily or even primarily about the apocalypse or spiritual fulfillment when we die. This is a make it happen now, earthbound petition. We're asking God to usher in the redemption of the world. And those of you who've read uh, through the book of Revelation will remember that the final vision is of heaven coming to earth. This is God's space joining ours forever. So if we pray this, we've got to live it now, and not just personally, but corporately as a church. So when we get involved with Street Angels and Besom and Healing in the Streets, and then more recently, Samara's Aid Appeal, we're acting as agents in bringing about God's kingdom now on this earth. And there's nobody sitting here today that doesn't have a role to play in this. Your kingdom come and then give us each day our daily bread. Well, now here we come to some of those personal petitions. These are the things where we say, Lord, we, this is what we need. I'm going to need us to sustain, to sustain us in, in our work for you. But now they're placed in context. And this is really important because we've already prayed for God to be honored and for his kingdom to become to, to come. So now we can stretch out our hands and ask that he gives us what's needed to sustain us. So if we can start our prayers as the Lord's prayer does from God's perspective and see the world through his lens, then our prayers for ourselves start to fall into place. The problem when we start with our own concerns and our own list it's being like being downstream in a river. And that's very hard then to push ourselves back up, swim back to the top and find how God is looking at his world. This prayer is about signing up to his mission. And let's also point out something blindingly obvious but not necessarily something that we consider the implications of. The Lord's Prayer is spoken in first person plural. Our Father, give us this day. Forgive us as we forgive. We've already said that we're part of God's family and so when we pray for daily bread it cannot just be about ourselves. He wants us to remember our brothers and sisters here and around the world, the refugees, the persecuted, the imprisoned. And we're praying for their bread in this sense both physical and spiritual that Jesus, the bread of life, would both provide and protect. That's part of being in the gap with Christ. We are intercessing on behalf of of this broken world and our broken communities. And then forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. God's forgiveness of our sins is under the sign of the coming kingdom. So we're asking him to set us free from guilt and transform us into the light and salt that will make a difference in this world. And having been forgiven, we are then compelled to forgive others. It's difficult. But if we don't do that, then we're denying the advent of the kingdom because the kingdom is all about freedom. Freedom and liberation. And if we're weighed down by guilt and sin, and we allow others to be weighed down by that guilt by not forgiving, we're not bringing about the kingdom. And then lead us not into temptation. You know, if we sign up to this, seriously, we're going to meet opposition. We'll meet opposition, human opposition. There will be those who will uh, speak against us. But let's not deny there will be spiritual. There are spiritual forces at work here. And we need to pray for protection. We don't need to get obsessed by it. But nor can we ignore it. So this is a powerful prayer. Let's just recap where we've come. There's a lot of good teaching in this passage. So first of all, to remind ourselves, God loves us. He wants us to have His good gifts. These are things we could continue to pray for. Unanswered prayer is challenging, but let's think about how we focus less on our list of wants and see prayer as this means of drawing closer to God and view the world from His perspective. Let's pray persistently and shamelessly. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, especially for the needs of others. And when we say the Lord's Prayer, we sign up to God's mission of bringing about his kingdom in the world. So some really important teaching here, not all of teaching on prayer by any means, but some really important principles that we should remember and can nourish us spiritually as we go forward. I'd like just to go into a a kind of response time now. And the way I'd like to do this is invite you to pray. Let's just close our eyes and let's just focus. And I'm going to step us through with a bit of space between each line, back through the Lord's Prayer. And based on what I've been saying, based on what God's been saying to you this morning as I've been talking, think about this prayer and own it for yourselves.